0: Jesus said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You may be seated. That gospel reading for tonight begins in a bit of an odd way when you hear it. Here's this man speaks to Jesus and wants the Lord to settle an argument with his brother. And St. Luke records for us, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now, really, those words of Jesus, they can stand for themselves. They're quite clear what our Lord is teaching us. And so here he tells this man and you to be on guard against coveting and how many possessions you have in this life. But, you see, the reason is more than just getting your priorities in order. That's part of it, to be sure. But what Jesus is showing is how these things seek to tear you away from God. The Lord explains But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So notice then what the Lord does do and presents here in this parable. He expands his statement about coveting to declare, to include with it the desire to store for oneself goods for the sake of himself and finding security and rest in them. On more than one occasion in the Gospels, Jesus warns and instructs about what you treasure and how that affects your heart. Because treasuring something is more than just fondness, it's trust, it's value assigned to the extent that you would sacrifice a great deal maybe even your life, rather than give it up. It's no wonder, then, that Jesus teaches about this and how you are to be on guard. So the case he gives here is with a farmer. And it's quite telling what the rich man says. Soul, you have ample goods, laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. He's confident. He has this confidence and this excuse for complacency and that he's done well for himself. Now he can just sit on this, And relax. All is well, and he is set for a long time. But what happens? Well, Jesus tells us. Who is it that comes to him? Who is it that calls him a fool? Who is it that requires his life? Well, it's none other than God Himself who does these things. The man had earthly security, and then he faced death. So when you see all of this, it causes you to look at your lives. It causes you to think about the things you have in this world and to know what this means. So you take stock of your money, your possessions, your property, and whatever else you may have in your lives, and you look at them. And as you sit back and as you think about them, the first question you are to ask is, well, where are they from? In 1 Corinthians 4, God, through St. Paul, asks a rhetorical question. What do you have that you did not receive? Well, the answer is no. It's nothing. Everything you have, you have received in some way, and going all the way back to God. In your lives, you see that everything is given to you by God, through the various means that He uses, even in creation. And take that then to another level, your very existence and life, that's given by God as well. And when God comes to require your soul, he makes good on that because he's God after all. Job confesses this when he confessed, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And when you pray in the Lord's prayer, give us this day our daily bread. You as Christians know where your daily bread comes from. And to whom you are to give thanks. Likewise, in the first article of the Apostles' Creed, you know the Lord is your creator. You know that he sustains you in this world and into eternity. And all this he does only out of fatherly, divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in you. For all this it is your duty to thank and praise, serve and obey him. So the ultimate gift, then, you have is eternal life in Christ. And this is a gift won and worked for you by God himself. That same Lord who created you is the same Lord who redeemed you by his blood and gives you this salvation by the Holy Spirit through the word and sacraments. The Lord is the one who has done this all. The Lord is the one who graciously gives you forgiveness, life, and salvation in Christ. And here is a treasure that no moth or rust can destroy and last unto everlasting life. And even in times of suffering and lack, this doesn't change. Sometimes you don't know what you have until you've lost it, or rather, it's taken from you. God's business at times, especially in the Old Testament, is smashing idols, and he's really good at it. He's good at taking things which we build and construct for ourselves and seek to find our trust and hope, and then knocking them to the ground. One of my friend's dad is fond of saying, God's way of keeping us from idolatry is giving us children. the minute we start to like something and vow you something of our property our kid comes along and breaks it and so we've grown accustomed to these things but we know that we can look back on our lives and see too even when you face difficulties in more than one way either physical or spiritual though those times were tough you could say they humbled you the christian looks back on these things and sees these things in your life through god's word The providence of God is something which looks back on those matters, and though you didn't realize it at the time, you see evidence of these things being used for your good. Now, that doesn't mean you have to understand or even know fully now how this all fits together, but regardless, the Lord's provision and care in your lives never ceased. In fact, during those times, they may have been the Lord's testing us in a way in which we were humbled to look more closely upon the work of Christ and your eternal redemption through him to see what it is you are to truly treasure. Now, the times you weren't being tested, but sinning and bringing upon yourselves times of trial and suffering, you still even see in that that God calls you to see those times where you've turned away from him and repent. Now, being thankful fits into all of this as you gather here tonight. The people of Israel suffered to be sure, but the Lord took care of them. He led them out of Egypt as we heard them recalling those promises in that reading from Deuteronomy. As they looked back, they saw the Lord, he did this. He redeemed them. He was bringing them into this land flowing of milk and honey. He led them into the land that he promised. And yes, he even at times humbled them for their good. Moses, though, reminded them of, this, of their care, work for them, and what still awaited them. The fatherly care of the people served them well, even in times of discipline. God gave them their daily bread. Sometimes this daily bread even came down from heaven in the form of quail and manna, lasting those 40 years. But God, all of this, was fulfilling his promises to them and laying before them a future, showing them that their treasure was their Lord, who was taking care of them and leading them, just as he said he would. Thankfulness is found in trusting God's work, past, present, and future. All this work sees its perfection in the work of Jesus by his perfect obedient life and his atoning death in your place. And God proclaims this to you and that it's yours just as Jesus is risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity. So thanking God looks to Christ crucified for you. And thankfulness rests in the unending and unchanging faithful working of God. And God calls you to trust his word. He calls you to treasure it. He calls you to turn from your sin. He calls you to fear him above all things. The Lord takes ple- pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love, we heard in the gradual. He calls you to hear his voice. It's the same Lord who redeemed you by the blood of Christ, washed you clean in baptism, preaches to you his word, feeds you in a supper, who is your father yesterday, today, and forever. And so taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. This is the same Lord who led the people through the wilderness, who led them out of Egypt, the same God who took care of his people, the same God who takes care of his people even still to this day as he takes care of you. He's done this in your life for you as his child. He gives you daily bread even if at the times you go hungry for a while. His love is everlasting, and you know this as you look to Christ crucified for you. Give thanks to God this night, tomorrow, and the days ahead, because for he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. He has done marvelous things. Cling to his word of promise and look to the future glory to come, where that feast never ends, and all of God's people are not apart, not distant, but together with the Lord for all eternity." Thanks be to God for such a future as we gather tonight and every day. Rejoice in Christ who heals and makes all things new as you are his new creation, washed clean and an air of eternal life. What a joy to have such care, such mercy shown to you, and to be called a child of God through faith in Christ. He treasures you, his dear child. And God teaches you something else in the epistle reading. The desire for your life as a Christian is that your heart be grateful and cheerful in giving back to the Lord and to your neighbor. Look outside of yourself when it comes to the harvest you reap. Sin is turned inwardly. In the large catechism, Luther comments on the ninth and tenth commandments, which deal with coveting. He says, for our natural instinct is that no one wants to see someone else have as much as himself. Each one acquires as much as he can. And that's an indicting thing as we think about then our goods, knowing that the Lord has given them to them. But now what do we do with these things? What your heart treasures as you see the things of this world and how we want to treat the Lord that he so graciously given to you. You see them, that they're from him, that you use them in service to him and to your neighbor. And that's not foolishness. That's Godly wisdom. And rather than the spirit of coveting what your neighbor has or storing up for yourself an insane amount of wealth and possessions, you're to see the love of Christ in these things and that whatever you may have is a gift from God. Giving to God and your neighbor comes from a new heart given by the Holy Spirit. And as a Christian, delight in giving and serving your neighbor. Don't see this as a burden. Don't see this, but rather see this as a delight. God teaches you this. The Lord desires your heart to have a spirit of giving, not out of compulsion and guilt, rather in joy and cheerfully. Take this all to heart this night, dear people of God. Thinking about this in terms of Thanksgiving, you approach the day as one who does know the food on your table tomorrow and the company you may enjoy are gifts from the Lord. Even turkey is a gift from the Lord, even though I don't really like turkey. It's okay, but God gives it to us still. And God is your Father, who provides your daily bread. Give thanks to God for those things which are set before you tomorrow and every day. And receive them from the gracious hand of God. Most importantly, know the salvation which has been accomplished for you, as God reconciled the world to himself in Christ. Repent of your sin, which tries to find delight, tries to find security in something other than God, that wants to look at your own soul and delight in your own soul, rather than the Lord who has redeemed it. So repent of your sin. There's a reason why Jesus said, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Or St. Paul, by the Holy Spirit, says in 1 Timothy 6, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. Unless you think being poor in terms of riches guarantees eternal life, repent also of wanting what the Lord hasn't given you, but has given to your neighbor. That too is coveting. Turn from all of these things and don't be the fool. No, cling to the mercy of God found only in Christ crucified for you. And instead of being a fool and storing up treasure for the sake of self, you are wise in the use of what God gives. This is because you know that at any minute... Be it one minute from now, be it five years from now, be it however that long that may be, the Lord will require your life of you. And all of these things, all of this stuff in your life, it's for nothing. Now, to be sure, you don't squander away or let them fall to the wayside. God calls you to be good stewards of what he has given you in your homes, your church, and society. But at the end of the day, these are not your security or your worry, as Jesus continues to speak about right after the reading from Luke ends. The one thing that is truly needful and eternal is the salvation won for you in Christ. Having the Lord and God's mercy in him is everything and the true treasure. So know what it means when God then does come for you. It's your salvation. Because God knows what it means to pay a price and lay aside glory and treasure. Jesus is your Redeemer. He's bought you. For you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Enduring the shame of the cross on account of your sin, the Lord suffered and paid the price you owe, because you are his treasure, his pearl of great price. And what a joy to be this before God every day. Your sin is forgiven and in Christ you have a new life that desires and takes delight in knowing rightly God's gifts and using them as he teaches you. Be it Thanksgiving, a harvest, a good quarter in your business or whatever the case, you're baptized into Christ and he, your redeemer, is your priceless treasure. He's your source of lasting treasure. And in him you find your rest. In him you find your confidence. In him you find your joy. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.